Good morning and welcome to a Vision for You speakers meeting today. My name is Melanie and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is Sunday, April 7, 2013. The reference number for Friday, April 5th, is 4223. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and a practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask that Diane please read the 12 steps. Diane, are you there? Press star one. Could I have somebody volunteer to step in in Diane's stead? Melanie, this, this is Susan. Susan, go Hi, ahead. Hi, Susan. I would love to have you do that. Thank you. Sure. Just opening to the page. Almost there. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks. Thank you, Susan. I will now ask Margaret H. from Illinois to read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you, Melanie. 
Good morning, uh, Vision for You. This is Margaret H. in Illinois, Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. And this morning at A Vision for You, we have our special Sunday edition meeting going on today, and I am delighted to present to you Kathy S. to A Vision for You to speak to you of experience, strength, and hope. Kathy, welcome to you. Oh, thank you, Melanie, and thank you, Leah, for asking me to speak today. I'm honored, and um, hopefully I'll touch somebody's heart while I'm speaking and help every, we'll all help each other on this journey of recovery. Um, I'm Kathy, compulsive overeater. I'm down in Maryland, originally from New Jersey, born and bred. And um, just to get the numbers out of the way, um, I'm coming up on my three-year anniversary with OA, um, April 18th. It's pretty exciting. It's been a complete change. I've lost um, approximately 95 pounds. Woohoo! And my home group is in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, why don't I get out the Wayback Machine and we can go back to where this whole journey started and you know it's 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 you know funny looking back on you know I was pulling out some um, um, things I had written when I first started this journey and was flipping through them and I was just really surprised looking at mentally where I was I, in some ways you know the 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 further away from when you get when you're knee-deep in the disease, sometimes it gets a little glossed over and you don't realize how bad it was, but it was a rude awakening seeing mentally where I was um, when I walked into OA. This program, you know, as far as um, this program and how I got here, the disease started, I want to say, sometime when I was in um, puberty. I will say that... Um, I come from a long line of addicts. Um, I can trace our family history back to the 1600s, and I can find an addict with every generation, if not more. Um, Addictions are us, are our middle name. And, you know, alcohol was usually the drug of choice. However, 
for me, my primary addictive behavior was food. And, you know, the roller coaster really started as I went through puberty. Um, Between the ages of 11 and 13, I shot up to the height I am now and to 5'5". And, as you know, obviously my weight shot up with it. And at the time, I weighed about 118 pounds. And I thought I was huge. I had complete no idea what I weighed um, or what I looked like. I thought I would look like a roly-poly teddy bear walking down the street. And I look back at pictures of myself at that time and think, what on God's earth was going on between your ears? And what was going on between my ears was that I was a compulsive overeater. And there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I started the journey then, um, um, adopting every diet I could get my hands on. I mean, the first diet, I don't know if you guys remember um, the Scarsdale diet. In the Scarsdale diet, they had published it in, I guess it was Good Housekeeping or some women's magazine that my mother had gotten. And there were three different levels in it. And one of them was 800 calories a day. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, do do it to my best ability. And here I am, I think I was probably 14 or 15 years old, eating 800 calories a day. When I look back on it, I think, oh, my God, how sick. And to what was even sicker, that nobody around me could was clued in as to what I was doing. Totally, totally oblivious. And here their teenage daughter is eating 800 calories a day. And I would lose 10 pounds and or 15 pounds or 20 pounds, and then I was off to the races binging. And I would binge my brains out back to 30 pounds, if not 40 pounds, and then it would be up and down and all around. I mean, it was it was just a sick, sick roller coaster. I was like a hamster wheel that just kept getting thrown off, and I kept jumping back on. And it didn't stop there. It was like, what was the diet of the day? Atkins, Stillman, Weight Watchers. I was obsessed with self-help books, diet books, and I was trying to diagnose myself. And, you know, the sad part was what was really the problem had nothing to do with what the scale said. It really had everything to do with what um, what was going on between my ears. That was the real problem. Um, this journey kept going forward. I mean, when I was in college, it was just um, unbelievable. If The amount of st- time I would spend binging. I'll never forget my one of my friends who's a complete food normie. I talked her into binging with me. So here it is, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're binging our brains out. We had eaten her roommate's food. Well, her roommate was at her boyfriend's. boyfriend's. So now we had to go to 7-Eleven at 4 o'clock in the morning to go find the food before her roommate got back at 7. I mean, complete lunacy. And this is what we did. We did this all the time. I would find somebody to binge with, find a food buddy, and we were off to the races. And it was a grand, grand time. And we thought we were just having a blast. But the reality was, while I was binging my brains out, I wasn't doing what I should have been doing in college, was enjoying life, studying hard, working hard. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was binging my brains out because the problem was, I couldn't accept life on life's terms. I couldn't accept that I was a student in college. I couldn't, and all I wanted to do was run and hide. And who was my buddy of choice? Mr. Food. And it was just unbelievable. 
And I'll never forget, this was the craziest thing. They had an article, and I know a lot of you out there remember when Karen Carpenter died of anorexia. And um, there was a plethora of food articles. And I remember there was an article about people who were um, bulimic and, and throwing up. And I remember looking at that article, and they were talking about treatment centers, and I thought, wow, wow, I wish I threw up too, because then there would be hope for me. I could get help. There would be help for me. And, I mean, this is not normal thinking for a 19-year-old young woman who's at the start of her life. This is just sick. And But at the time, that was what I thought. If I was on a, restricting my food and I took one bite of something that I shouldn't, quote, unquote, be eating, it was like I was off to the races. Um, every every food plan was preceded by the Last Supper, and I cleaned out, and it went on from there. And it just rolled and rolled and rolled. And I had no idea what was wrong with me. And I was either white-knuckling it, crazy, stark crazy mad, or I was restricting to no end, stark crazy mad. But the common denominator in all of it was that I was stark crazy mad. And let me tell you guys, when I'm in the food, I'm not a nice nice addict. I'm a really mean, nasty, raging addict. You know, everybody in the world was screwed up. I was right. Everybody else in the world um, was totally effed up. Um, they um, And I was perfect. And that's what I truly believe. And I believed that for a long, long time. And it just kept going on and on and on. And it was just, um, it was sad. It was really sad. And, you know, it's funny because I guess, you know, that's my only regret now is you can't get time back. Time, once it's gone, it's gone. And and so now it's important that I do live in recovery. Um, it, I got married. Um, I was young. I was 24 years old. And... You know, it's funny because if you read Roseanne's book, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, she talks about when she got married that she didn't have to white-knuckle it anymore on diets. She was off to the races and gained like 30 pounds her first year she was married. Honey, I know exactly what she's talking about. I had got my husband, and I was off to the races. I, the, You know, the, the white-knuckling stopped, and the cabinet doors flew open, and I was eating my brains out. And then it was like my clothes didn't fit, so then I would try starving. But the problem was that as as life marched on to the seesaw, um, the, it just kept getting. I kept, the scale kept numbers just go kept going higher and higher and higher. Um, you know, instead of weighing 130 pounds, I was up to 145 pounds. So then I would put my ceiling at, okay, well, if the scale says 150, you have to get back on the diet, but you can binge to then. Well, 150 would come and go. Okay, 160. If it gets to 160, you got to diet. Okay, came and went. Okay, now I'm up to 175. Whoa, and it just kept going on and on and on. And it was like I kept raising the number, raising the bar. And I could not stop. It wasn't um it wasn't um a rational eating. It wasn't um calm eating. It wasn't because of new, um um I needed more a lot of food. I was an Olympic athlete. No, I was a sick addict deep in disease. 
And it's funny because if you turn to the big book and turn to page 35, I'm going to pull up Jim's story because I love, love, love Jim because Jim Jim is a great guy. Um, he talks about um, Jim. Jim was this great guy who had this phenomenal career. And, in fact, he owned he owned a lucrative car dealership only to turn around and, lo- and lose the car dealership. And so now he's back, and he's working at the car dealership. And, you know, Jim is a raging alcoholic. So, and I love this story. He goes, I came to work on Tuesday. I remember feeling ir- irritated. And I love this because what day does the work week start? It doesn't start on Tuesday. It starts on Monday. Where the heck was he Monday? He had a few words with the boss, I can only imagine. So then I decided to drive to the country and see one of my prospects. On the way, I felt so hungry, I reached a roadside place, well, we can all relate to that, where they have a bar. I had no intention of of drinking. I just thought I'd get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car in this place. Yeah, sure, right, whatever. Rationalization which was familiar for I had gone through it for years. I'd eaten here many times and stayed sober. I sat down at the table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. So no thought of thinking, or I ordered another sandwich and decided to have a glass of milk. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it wouldn't hurt on a full stomach. So I ordered a whiskey and poured it in the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being too smart, but felt reassured as I was, I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into the milk. Can't, that didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. Then thus started one, our journey of, the, of Jim's latest trip to the asylum. And if that didn't um, doesn't agree with me, I don't know what was it. Oh, I'm just in the line at the drive-thru to get a Diet Coke. Oh, payday bars have peanuts in them. That's protein. They're good for you. Popcorn has fiber in it, not not to mention that two sticks of butter that was melted on top. The fiber is healthy. It'll clean out my colon. The list went on and on. It was just unbelievable the amount of time I would rationalize, justify, strategize, steal to get my next fix. It was just unbelievable. And the reality was, what was going on physically was far scarier than what was even going on on mentally. My blood pressure was through the roof. My doctor wanted me to put me on um, diabetic medication. Every joint in my body ached. I mean, I'm five foot five. I'm not that tall, and I have a small frame. To be carrying around 230 pounds and lugging it around, and it was lugging it around, it was not easy to get around. Um, I ended up having my gallbladder removed. It was purely a result of compulsive overeating, and, and, and I almost died as a result of it. The doctor said it truly is a miracle that I am alive. Um, and mentally, there was nothing left. There was absolutely nothing left. All I did, I was like a little troll under the bridge, actually a big fat troll under the bridge, you know, just ready to tell everybody what was wrong with the world, what was wrong with them and everybody. And the sad part was is that I missed out on somebody so much in life during doing all this. And the worst, worst, worst part of it all was that that my family, who I cared so deeply about, were were the real victims 
of my raging and my hatred at myself and my addictive behavior. I think that is the saddest thing. And, you know, working the amends that I've had to face is that the ones we love the most are often the ones that get hurt the most by us in our addictive behavior. And this is what went on for pretty much my first 47 years of my life. It was I escaped from reality. I coated the nerves with food. Um, I... I hid behind the food. I was, It doled me out. It allowed me to check out. And, you know, that was how I lived. That was how I lived. It was It was sad, but it was true. It was, um, you know, on page 151 of the vision of the big book, it talks around about the less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. As we became subjects of king alcohol, or in our case, King Sugar and King Salt and King Food, or or Dolly Madison and um, Wendy's and um, um, our good friend Ronald, shivering denizens of his mad realm, the chilling vapor that is loneliness settled in. It thickened, ever becoming blacker. Some of us sought our outsourced places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and impro- approval. Momentarily we did, and then would come oblivion and the awful awakening to face the hideous four horsemen's terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this pages will truly understand. I had a trillion for my own thing, but that was how how I lived. I, I escaped, and I hid, and I. it was just really, really, really sad, and this went on for many many years and finally you know you know as the disease progressed my lows kept getting lower and lower and lower until really um i get gift blessed with the gift of despair and what what really brought the turning of the column um corners is a couple things happened within a sh- very short period of time um one day I lived right outside of Washington DC and worked there and I was watch walking across the mall in Washington DC and for those of you who are not familiar with it but in front of the Capitol is this huge expanse of land and around it are most of the great museums of the Smithsonian and I was walking across it and I was eating something as I walked and I kept thinking to myself as I walked across this as it was a beautiful day in March and I kept thinking how many more bites do I need to take before I'll just explode and this madness will be over. And and all I kept focusing on was how many more bites, how many more bites, because I couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, the thought came and went. And the following weekend on TV, there was a um, show which some of you are familiar with called Ruby. And Ruby was um, about somebody whose journey was... um, you know, losing weight and lost a tremendous amount of weight. And one day on the show, they had brought um, a woman in named Tenny McCarthy who um, runs a um, facility down, um, um, addiction treatment center down in Texas. And she was talking about, you know, they would have the um, spotlight where she'd be talking um, about the scene that just took place. And she was talking about... um, Ruby and Ruby's problems, and she goes, she really needs 12-step help. 
and I thought, 12 step help. She goes, she could use Overeaters Anonymous. Well, I had no idea what Overeaters Anonymous was. I was like, but I thought, okay, 12 step help, Overeaters Anonymous, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper. The next day I got to work, I pulled up Google, and I put 12 step diet um, overeating, and up comes Overeaters Anonymous, boiling up. Oh my God! What the heck is this? So I looked at the website, looking at it, looking at it. I thought, I wonder if these people are a bunch of kooks, and it's another diet scheme. I'm trying to get all my money out of me. And I uh, called down to New Mexico, and this woman answered the phone, and she had this thick Long Island accent. Oh my God! Right up Miami Alley. Immediate credibility. I don't know who she was, but God bless her. And she starts going on explaining Overeaters Anonymous to me. And she was real um, real cute because she she just said, oh, she starts going down the list. She goes, where do you live? And I go, oh, I'm in Maryland. Oh, she goes, honey, you got a ton of meetings in your area. She goes, let's, let's look here. She goes, okay, let's look. Hmm, there's this meeting here on Monday. It's from 6 to 8. It's called Back to Basics. It's two hours. God knows what on earth they're talking about for two hours. Go to the meeting and call me back and let me know what they're talking about. I was like, okay, I'll go find out what this meeting's about. It's two hours long. So we ended up, we ended up, I, that that meeting ended up becoming my home group meeting. And it was unbelievable because I went into that meeting and I, um, the um i sat there in the back of the room i didn't want to be there i was ticked off that i had to be there and all i kept thinking was the whole time i was sitting there i felt like god was sitting on the row behind me with a baseball bat swing it pounded it against his palm of his hand that if i got up and left he was going to hit me over the head with it back into my seat and i just sat there ticked as hell and uh, and um um at the at the meeting, and the minute the meeting left, I ran out the door. I I couldn't believe these people would stand around and talk. And one of the guys at the meeting cornered me as I almost hit the door. I almost met, had a met break for it, and he said, he said um, to me, um, "There's a lot going on here tonight." He goes, "Why don't you do this?" There's a meeting Saturday, and why don't you go to that? They're supposed to have a party at the meeting, and you can and you can listen there. And I thought, okay, that that sounds good. I can make it to Saturday. I don't think I have anything going on. And so I came home that night from Overeaters Anonymous, and I go to my husband. I found a new diet. He goes, oh really? And the first words out of his mouth was, what does it cost? And I, he goes, I go three dollars a week. He goes, oh, good, why don't you go back and do it next week? I said, okay. And that was where it started. But at that point, I, when I came to that first meeting, I knew at that point I needed to sit down and listen. But to be quite frank, I hadn't bought off on anything. I didn't buy off that I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't buy off that I had a problem. And most, most important, I didn't buy off that, um, that I needed to be there. But what I planned to do was I was going to um, um, 
what I was going to do was I was going to stay there until um, I lost my weight, and then from there I was going to immediately leave because that was what I was going to do. That was my plan. I had a great plan. I wasn't going to check in. Most importantly, I was going to check out. But I might as well use OA because it was $3 a week, and I was going to lose all my weight and run out of the door faster than you ever saw anybody run out the door. And this went on for a while. It went on for months. And finally, this is April. That was my plan. I had come in with my evil plan. And one in the middle of July, uh, somebody was speaking. And at that point, they were sharing their, their experience, strength of hope. And I had that aha moment that I was one of them. I couldn't check out anymore. And I truly needed to be there. And at that point, I realized more than anything else, I couldn't just give this program lift service. I needed to attack it with a vengeance. This was what I needed to 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 um, to grow and learn in this program. This is what I needed to do was to recover. I had a very serious problem. It was going to kill me, and I needed to grow up lickety split. And that was that was when my whole approach, my whole change, totally totally changed. And it was, it was at that goal. It was like let's find every resource out there and let's use it. And um, the phone meetings, honey, I was on them all. If there was a phone meeting, I would I would sit there at work, put this phone on speakerphone, and click up a phone meeting. If I didn't like that meeting, I'd click on the next meeting. Um, the OA LA intergroup has the lighted candle speakers. I had every one of them downloaded onto my um, iPhone device or Droid or whatever thing, MP3 player, and I was listening to those nonstop. Um, Literature, anything that I could get my hands on, I read it, tried to absorb it. Um, I used my phone calls. I learned to use service. I didn't want to do service, and I did it. And the biggest thing, which I had the most... um, 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 reluctance to was writing. I didn't want to write. I didn't want to write my feelings. But the reality was, I had no idea how to live in this world. I had no I, no emotional maturity. My emotional maturity at my age of forty seven was that of a fourteen year old young woman. And and but my writing has taught me to to keep keep continuing to grow and to keep learning how to think. Learning how to um, live live in this world, accept life on life's terms, enjoy this world, enjoy enjoy every moment, not fight with the world. And it's amazing. The world is really a nice place. I got to tell you guys that are starting this journey, you're going to be flabbergasted. It's more like the Garden of Eden than it is like hell. It was really shocking. I didn't know that. I thought the world was closer to hell than the Garden of Eden. It's really amazing. Um, and where am I at now? You know, where am I at now? Um, my program today doesn't look like my program of 90 days ago. It's constantly evolving and growing. Um, 
maintenance is is a different way to live of you know with your food you know it's it's not um oh my god i got the magic food plan and this is one of works and let me i'll put it on a website and you guys can all copy it it's constantly tweaking and adjusting because i constantly need tweaking and adjusting um step work let's talk about step work you know it's you know uh, you know the steps are a funny little thing you know when i saw them on the wall when i first walked when i was in OA, one two and three i was really excited about and then we see the dreaded step floor and i was just like i did what well, wasn't going to do step four i was going to bypass it i was going to skip it i was going to um um um, just jump over it, whatever I could do. And finally, one of the gentlemen at our meeting got up and he said his sponsor was browbeating him about doing step four. So he did, made the decision. Well, if he had to do step four, he could. He was going to do the sloppiest, crudiest step four there ever was in the history of of the man. And he just wrote it down as fast as he could, scribbled it out. It was a sloppy, choppy thing. And then he turned it over into step five. I thought, oh, good, I'm going to do the same thing. Well, let me tell you, I started off step four, and I was going to prove to my sponsor that the world was screwed up, and I, of course, was perfect. And that was my approach. You know, you go down, why is somebody wronged you? What was their part in it? And then came the dreaded column, what was my part in it? And at that point, I couldn't deny that. I wasn't, the world was not the issue. It was yours truly talking to you right now that had quite a few issues and quite a few things to deal with. And it's um, it's funny because I love the, um, um, you know, I always think there's a song that fits every situation. Um, um, you know, when somebody's acting like a kook, I always think of Cindy Lauper's song, True Colors. Um, you know, step four, the song of the day is um, cleaning out my closet. And, you know, that's truly what it is. I'm cleaning out my closet. And that was the way I wish I had thought about it at the time. But, as you know, when I got to the end of it, I realized it's not a bad thing to clean out the closets. You never know what surprises are in there, what things are, are, um, are, 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 um, are there. And... It's um, there's um, another Eminem song. It, it's talking about that I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a miracle, and I truly feel that I truly am a miracle, and that this part of you know my life, God's put me here for a reason, and it's up from up to me to do service. You know, and you know, in the big book, it talks about if you, the greatest um, way to stay sober is service. And that truly is the greatest way um, to to stay sober. It it is service. There is nothing that will keep me from picking up than to reach out to my fellow. And, you know, I'll give you an example. I was at my um, son's gymnastics meet, and this was about a year ago. And he was just, if you've ever been to a boys' gymnastics meet, it's like a circus. And so you've got the boys moving from event to event. And, He's with his team, and instead of paying attention and focusing, he was acting like a monkey at the side of the ring. And I wanted to reach down and kill him because it was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I got so frustrated. I ended up walking out of the the meet. I was like, I can't even watch this anymore. And and so I was stomping around um, Philadelphia, up and down the block. I thought, okay, 
well, I can do service. So I called one of my fellows on the thing. She totally distracted me with something else. I was like, okay, cool. I went back into the meet. He had calmed down. I think the coach had said something to him. And I calmed down, and I watched the meet. But the difference is pre- and post-recovery is before I would have picked up. Before, I would have screamed at him the whole way home for misbehaving at the meet. Instead, I let it go. Instead, I use my tools of recovery. What a difference? What a change? Um, the you know the other thing that happened along this journey is, and I think this is really important to everybody, is that what changed for me is I realized if this program was going to work and I was going to make it happen, and I was going to be one of these people you see that recover, I needed to embrace this big book. I needed to embrace this big book. It was my how-to book on how to live. And I needed, I couldn't read the big book when I first started. It's written in, in a, I guess, you know, kind of a passive voice, and it didn't resonate with me. I couldn't read it. I could. It was like I was reading Greek. It just, nothing it said made any sense to me, and I couldn't make rhyme or reason out of it. So I ended up getting a copy of the Joe and Charlie Chapes. And it, for those of you, they're wonderful things. They're two guys from AA that used to go around and give workshops all over the country talking about, um, the big book, and I would I would re I would listen to them over and over again, rewinding it, listening it again, writing notes in my margins of my big book. Oh, it, this is what that means. This is what that means. They were the ones that pointed out to me that Jim showed up for work on Tuesday. Where the heck was he on sun, on Monday? You know, most car dealerships are open on Monday, and so on and so forth. And from there, I looked at people in my home group that resignated recovery and I started basically interrogating them what do you do how do you keep this program fresh how do you keep growing and from there I got hooked up with phone calls like a vision for you and from there I learned more and more and more on how to do this and it was slowly, you know, it was like, you know, it's almost like you, you dangle a little feather to a cat, and the cat pounces on it, and then you do it again, it pounces again. Well, I was that cat, and I kept pouncing and pouncing till I learned everything I could. And I still have a lot more to learn. This is, you know, as Leia has said to us many a time, this is education without graduation. I will be learning for the rest of my life. Um, you know, it's, you know, I love different quotes in the big book. Um, right now, you know, I live my life in steps 10, 11, and 12. And to give you an idea, you know, you know, what God has done in my life is, you know, every day it's a, a conscious effort to turn my life and my will over to God. Do I do this perfectly? No. Please give me a break. But every day I try. I really do try. And I love step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power that will carry it out. That is really the key. Is my will... God has given me a beautiful, beautiful gift, and I've just recently joined um, there at my, at my son's high school. There's a mother's prayer group, and I thought, oh, I'd like to do this. Well, it turns out Father Joe, who runs the um, the group, he's one of us. 
He's a 12-stepper. He does a 12-step dance. This came out out of nowhere. It's like, oh, my gosh, I kept having a feeling there was something about him that just made me think Bill, Bill, Bill W. And he gave us a beautiful quote, and it's something I think of so often. What would you do to what would what would you do or what would Jesus do if he was lucky enough for you to be be you today? Lucky enough to be you today. God has put each and every one of us. We are all so lucky to be here. It is such a beautiful, rich experience and we need to live step eleven and live in as well. It's such a beautiful thing. And you know, with that I wanna just say, you know, Throughout my life as an active compulsive overeater, there was some well-intentioned people along the way, but it wasn't until I got to Overeaters Anonymous that I found somebody who knew me and understood me and, most important, showed me the way to recover. And it's important. That is why it is so important that I keep going back. When I arrived, I was in pain, I was sick, and I was broken, but there was somebody there with her hand reached out who understood me. It is my responsibility now to be the somebody who understands and can hopefully help the next individual who walks through the doors of these rooms. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kathy, for coming here and sharing your experience, strength, and hope this morning. Thank you, Melanie. Absolutely. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. The story is just is wonderful. And at this point, we do open up the uh, line for questions. Kathy, if you're able to sure. stay, we would love that to do that. Thank you. No Are there any questions? Are there questions here today for, of Kathy about her story? Just press star one on your phone keypad and you can be heard. Hi, this is Kate. I'm a folks overeater. Hi, good morning, Kate. Good morning, uh, Kathy. Thank you so much. That was so wonderful. Uh, my first question, which I don't know if you can answer on this line, is if you're willing to give out your phone number. Um, but uh, I wanted to say that I, I so appreciated everything you said and um, and your story. And, and I know the format of this meeting, it sounds like it's a question and not a sharing time. Is that right? Right. Questions for Kathy. Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I guess I really wanted to ask you, you talked a lot about how your food plan evolved and you're tweaking and changing it all the time, and I was curious if you could share some of your food plans over the years or what your current food plan is. That's always been, um, I mean, I kind of know what mine is and what I need to do, but I, um, I, I would yeah. like to hear what other people do. Yeah, um, Kate, um, I go to a nutritionist and... It varies um, when I see her. It can be um, so at points it's been once a month, at points it's been a couple weeks, at other points it's been six months. Um, but, you know, my food plan is basically, you know, if you take the, the, the what the food plan is and dignity and choice and just tweak the amount because of, you know, I currently weigh about 135 pounds in my activity level, but it's it's pretty um, um, um you know, normal food. I, I do not eat any foods I hate. I don't feel my food plan is about being a martyr for past indiscretions for food. Um, it's it's healthy, 
and I feel satisfied. Um, the um, the biggest thing is is that my food plan um, is there's there's absolutely no alcohol in my food plan, and the second thing is there's no recreational sugar. Um, I don't um, I and it, any food that is like a processed food um, that is um, I would say like a protein bar or anything. I look at the nutritional ingredients and make sure there's five grams of sugar or less. Um, so that that's the thrust of it. Um, I, I have some um, low blood sugar issues, so it tends to be pretty, um, um, you know, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, and that's it. Um, I don't eat in the evenings. Um, that's more of a uh, that was my favorite binge time. So it's just um, we just leave that part of the day alone. <laughs> so so that but that's what works for me. But you know I think the real critical key is you know for anybody out there who, with regard to a food plan is is you know find a nutritionist that really um, embraces um, healthy non gimmicky eating. And, you know, you can network through other OA members to find somebody, you know, that just really is going to give you something that's healthy, that's satisfying. Um, if you're in a period of weight loss, that's going to get the weight loss. If you're in a period of maintenance, it's going to maintain your weight and that it's also going to address your individual health issues because they vary so much among all the membership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. And I just wanted to, you know, go on what Kathy was saying is that Overeaters Anonymous does have a pamphlet with the dignity of choice, and each food plan is an individual, individual matter. So it's very difficult for any one person, and I would assume this would be Kathy too, to really be able to talk much about a specific food plan here on the line. Kathy, would you be willing to give your phone number for folks to call? Sure, not a problem. It's um, area code three zero one three three five. And that is Eastern Time because it's Maryland. So thank you Correct. so much, Kathy, for that. Any other questions today for Kathy? Hi, could you repeat Kathy's phone number again? I would be happy to, yes. 301 3-5-3-7-9-9 Eastern Time. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Hi, Melanie. This is Margaret in Illinois. May I ask a question? Oh, please, yes. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. I really enjoyed your story. Um, thank you for your service and, of course, you too, Melanie. My question, and it may be off topic just a little bit, is, but it was something that you mentioned um, in your talk is something about a TV show or a movie called Ruby. Um, yeah. Of course, I have never heard of that, and I was just wondering if you could expound on that just a little bit. Yeah, um, the, sh the TV show was on the... Excuse um, me, just one second. I just want to make sure that we stay within the traditions and we don't mention off-topic kinds of things here. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe you could speak to each other privately on that one? Yeah, I will do that to you. That's, yeah, that's why terrible. I'm <laughs> not a problem. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, thank you. Thank no problem. you. Outside issues. <laughs> Sorry. No, Anybody, any other any other questions today? I have a question. Oh, who's this? Good morning. Oh, good morning. I'm sorry. This is Chelsea calling from South Jersey. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Thank you so much for your story, Kathy. 
Um, I wanted to ask you about how did you come to um, grips with it being an allergy? How did you deal with um, accepting the fact that it was allergy? And when you did get your food and all together, was that part of the criteria in deciding what you would keep as foods, say, you know, red light foods or green light foods or whatever? Yeah, um, I guess a couple things um, kind of um, went into play on that. Um, I really um, wrestled that with that for a long time, and I think you know when you know I, I call it my period of denial, but my white knuckle OA period. Um, it I really didn't um, um, understand what it was made, and so finally one day I was on. Um, um, I went looked up in Miriam um, the dictionary. And it was like, you know, the first definition was the normal, typical uh, definition. But the second definition was an abnormal reaction to a food or substance. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's abnormal. It is not normal to crave something. And craving something is a real different thing to liking something an awful lot. You know, during the holidays there might be a special food that – you like, but a normie, what they do is they'll eat it for a while, but then they push away, and they move on, and they don't sit there and think about it. Me, as the lunatic compulsive overeater, not only do I eat it till it's gone, but I'm sitting in the, if I don't finish it off, I'm sitting in the next room thinking about it, and the next thing you know, I'm back into the container, and then I'm eating some more of it, and then I put it back, and one more bite, and one more bite, and one more bite. That's abnormal. That's abnormal to obsess about it like it's, it's you know, that you can't put it away or you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. And I think that's really where the, you know, the fine line in the sand is drawn. And it was funny because it's the only thing that truly makes sense. Um, and I think, you know, as time marches on and medical advances get greater, we're going to see medical science really support this 110%, this, this, this allergy term used for this addictive craving that, you know, many of us suffer from. So that was it. Um, you know, with regard to figuring out what foods were triggering, you know, a couple different things. There were obviously foods that were my go-to binge foods. And those I knew, you know, being honest with myself, they they had to walk out the door. You know, they they were shown the door, and I slammed the door and locked it on them. But there were other foods that were a little more mysterious. And the biggest thing what I noticed was, is for me personally, was I would eat some of them, and I would be starving within minutes afterwards. And I was like, there's something wrong with this. This is not a good thing. And discussing it more with my sponsor, she had me pull out the nutritional label. And, you know, there were things like there was buried sugar in it. Um, um, you know, like sometimes what a manufacturer will do is they'll, they'll break down sugar and they'll be listed five different times in the ingredients. Well, when you add it all up and look at the total grams of sugar, it's it's a lot of sugar. And that was really you know, one of the things I had to watch out for, um, you know, and, it, you know, it's, it's. I don't want to say it's a constant battle per se, but right now, you know, where I'm at is I do a lot more preventive maintenance. I look at the ingredients label before it hits hits our house, 
And if it's something that is just not something I'm comfortable with, um, you know, I pass. There's plenty of other foods out there. There's a zillion options, you know. There's a zillion options. I don't need it. And to be quite frank, some of this stuff I've eaten three and four lifetimes full. I'm cut off. I'm done, you know. How much of certain things do you really need over a lifetime? Well, I'm done. We're done with that food group. We'll pass next, you know, and and that and that's it, you know. And 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 you know that that's what works right now. My guess is, two to three years out, there'll probably be different foods that I bring into, you know, that I eat regularly, and other foods probably will drop off. But that's just me, you know. As I age and my exercise changes and everything else changes, you know, you know, we we've got to be adaptable. So. I hope that helps. Thank you, Chelsea. Any other questions this morning for Kathy? I have a question. No, who's this? Is it Suzanne? Oh, hi, Suzanne. Hi, this is... Hello? Hi, Suzanne. You first? Okay. Um, I just Thank you for your, your service, Kathy. And I was wondering if you could share if you had any sort of uh, guideline you used for the fourth step, um, if you had a specific grid, if you looked at the big book, if you looked at other resources that helped jumpstart uh, a tool you use to help jumpstart the things you thought about. Yeah, um, there. you know, I, I was very um, fortunate. Um, my um, sponsor, who I worked my fourth step at the time, um, she was very, um, she she was very flexible in the sense she really didn't matter how I did my fourth step. She just wanted me to do it. And, you know, obviously, there's, you know, if you go to the OE materials, there's one methodology. The big book has a very clear methodology. Um, on the OA website, there is a workbook to use. And basically, the biggest thrust of my fourth step was the big book way. Um, if you if – you, um, 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 Lori C. actually has worksheets you can use on um, his OA Big Book website, there, which are a great tool, and they've mentioned it here before. And I used to use, filled those out completely, and then I also filled out the OA web um, workbook. And, um, you know, I bounced between the two of them, but ended up filling them all out, and that's what worked for me. Um, honestly, there is no tried and true. You can, if you don't do it this way, you'll fail at it. The biggest thing is just do it, just do it. And and the other thing is, right now when I work with my sponsors, I um, most of them or my sponsees, most of them tend to use the big book method. But the biggest thing we do is we set a time limit that it has to be done by. Um, when they start it, we start it day one, and we usually allow um, anywhere from one to two months to get it completed. Um, I truly feel deep in my heart that the biggest time people are going to pick up is working between steps four and nine, and the goal is to get through it. Um, we don't need to take as long to fill out step four as it did to come up with ideas to put on step four. It's 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 let's get it get it out there. Um, for lack of a better term, I often call it verbal vomit. Just throw it out there on the paper. There are no wrong answers. It doesn't need to be perfect. This isn't a, um, an exercise in fine writing. This isn't um, 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 a newspaper article where every fact has to be dotted and I just throw it out there. Then we're gonna, you're gonna dump it to me in your fifth step, and then we'll figure out what to do with it um, in six, seven, um, 
six, seven, eight, and nine. And that's really, um, but the key is just get it done. Just get it done, um, and and keep it moving, um, and and keep and keep um, just do it. Just do it. Thank you, Suzanne. Any other questions today? Press star one. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Denise from Syracuse, New York. Hi, Denise. Good morning. You have Good a question? Morning. I do. Uh, regarding the phenomena of craving, um, I was wondering how you actually, what helped you to actually put down the foods that um, that caused the cravings? Like what what were the things, the key things that helped to stop the actual physical eating of the foods, um, which is something that I'm struggling with right now. Um, I mean, I'll tell you a couple different things. Um, one is um, um, one of the one one thing is is um, um, I cleaned out the kitchen and I got rid of the stuff that um, I I like to binge on. Um, and I enjoyed and were problematic, and they weren't, I'm, I'm not talking about, um, and it was a variety of things, and obviously you know what your favorite go-to binge things are. The second thing is, which sounds beyond idiotic, but I started carrying no money around with me, and I, um, I had, um, um, I kept my um, ATM cards in my ashtray of my car, in case I needed gas, and I would, um, the reason was, was my favorite go-to thing was we had a snack bar down the down the hall from me at work, and I couldn't walk by it without giving them money, and they gave me um, my um, drug of choice, and so that stopped that real fast, and it was a lot of white knuckling. Um, drinking water helped a tremendous amount. Um, the other thing is is that was making sure that I was satisfied at the end of a meal, that my nutritional plan, um, you know, I had a healthy dinner. And, you know, there was a lot of reading literature and a lot of, um, if I if it was getting too much, I used to tell myself over and over again, no one has ever starved to death between breakfast and lunch. No one, no one in the history of OA, no one has, no one has. And I would tell myself this over and over again. I would pick up the phone and just call somebody, um, get up from my desk and walk around the block real quick and come back. But just anything to just break that cycle, you know, it was just on and on. Um, One of the biggest things I used to do is OA has a book called The Lifeline Sampler. And there is stories in there about people who who on this journey. And I used to say to myself, if they could do it, I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, I was like the little engine that could. Um, you know, I talk about the light, of, um, the OA light a candle speaks, um, 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 talk, talks that they have. And you can go download them until you're blue in the face. There were a couple of people in there I would listen to over and over and over again and just, just because that was the drumbeat I needed to hear, you know, and just I bathed myself with people who were recovered, who had healthy, good behaviors, and that was where I turned my focus to. 
And the other thing, the, this is just a peculiar thing, just a side note is, a lot of times I thought I was hungry. I wasn't hungry. I was thirsty. And so I drank, you know, made sure I had water available at all times, and I was drinking it. And that made a huge, huge difference. So, um, you know, and what the other thing, what you're going to find out is, you know, when you, sometimes when you think you're hungry and you're craving something, you're not hungry at all. You got to look at what's going on around you. I remember one time I was so upset, and I was just ready to just go off the deep end. And I I went to the bathroom and locked myself in the bathroom stall with my cell phone playing solitaire for about 15 minutes till I could calm down. Now, would I have done that pre-recovery? Hell no. I would have screamed at everybody I saw and then went to the snack bar and got my favorite binge boons and binge my brains out and screamed at some more people. But it was like there's no food in the bathroom at my office. It was a safe place. I could hide there for 15 minutes. I could collect my thoughts. I could calm down, you know. And the other thing is, you know, God's in your back pocket at all times. Don't forget to call out. He's there. If you're willing to ask for help, he has the hand out there to extend to keep you from sticking your hands in your mouth. He'll hold your hands so you don't pick up. He really will help. Thank you, Denise. Any other questions this morning? Press star one. Hello, this is Joanne from Massachusetts. Hi, Joanne. You're up next. Hi, thank you. Kathy, so thank you so much for your qualifying in your story. I really connected to what you were saying. Um, I did write down your phone number, and I was wondering if you could let us know, is there only a certain time that we can actually call you during the week or at night, or, you know, everybody seems to have different times they're available. Um, usually the best time to reach me is um, during the day. Um, usually, you know, be around noon is good. Um, in the morning early before 9 is really good um evenings it's um total haphazard yeah i have three kids and um typically when i get home in the evening um my their my time is their time so um you know that that that's the only time that i would just say is just really um you're probably going to get my voicemail but you know feel free to call you know text you know and i'll I'll circle back so if i don't if you don't get hold of me so thank you thank you any other questions today for Kathy? This is Carolyn in Massachusetts. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Melanie. I I just want to say thank you, Kathy, for for showing such courage to step up to the plate like that. It takes a lot to do that. You know, um, I just wanted to ask you. Was there, throughout that whole time, you said you were 45 when you first became exposed to OA. Was there any time during that course that you asked anybody if they thought there was a problem with you? Um, Carolyn, that's a really good question. You know, it's funny. Um, um, before I, you know, when I, when I had hit this place, you know, my marriage to my husband was just like a big hot mess, and I mean, he had just checked out. I mean, he he was never home. I mean, and if he was home, he was hiding in front of the TV. I don't 
I don't think I really ever asked anybody if I had a problem because I truly believed when I walked in here that the world was wrong and I was right. And I, I mean, to, to be quite, to be quite frank, when I started my fourth step, the only reason I was so motivated to get it done was I had to show my sponsor that I was right, and the world was screwed up. And talk about aha moment when you realize <laughs> we only got one problem on this planet. You know, it's like you point one finger out and four fingers are pointing back at you. You know, I mean, it, that was it. Um, I really, you know, and I think that was really um, it. You know, it was just never, I don't, the only time I ever remember anybody saying to it was my grandmother who passed away. I was very near her when she died, and she said to me, honey, don't ever let yourself get fat. You look much better thin. And that was really the only time. But, um, you know, I've got my fair share of compulsive overeaters in my family that are still active in the disease. And, you know, they, they were more than glad to enable me on this journey of, of addiction. You know, they were more than glad to help me. So it wasn't like there was a real solid support network out there to um, encourage me to go to OA. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it, it does. But and, and to go just a, a step further on that, I, I'd like to ask one more for, sure, people who, for people who think that their spirituality is sufficient, that their relationship with God, I should say, is sufficient, um, and that they don't need to um, make it any better, what, what do you suggest for them, you know, when they're new coming into program and they think they have the best relationship with God today? Yeah, um, you know what, I'm, uh, when I first um, started, I, I thought, oh, my gosh, these people are a bunch of holy rollers cults. And I thought the last thing I needed was another religion. I had a good, solid religion under me, and I didn't need a religion. And I did have a great religion, but I really wasn't there, you know, emotionally. You know, I thought God had time for everybody but me. And, you know, I was – and to be quite frank, I would have been really happy if God appointed me deputy, you know. Um, I would have been gladly been Barney Fife. And um, the the reality is that I think – you know, I, I take that journey slowly with people. I, I, I know with me, I, I was not like Bill with this overnight awakening. It was a slow journey. And I, I think I did a lot of believing until I really, truly act as if until I believed. Um, my spirituality today is is just light years ahead of where it was. And I think you need to give people some time. Um, I think for me personally, it, it, it became the only answer that made sense. You know, um, you know, one of the quotes that gets bannered around here is the only person who can fix me is that, that who created me. And if that isn't the truth and that I've truly come to fully believe um, on this journey, I think that is really it. You know, sometimes one of the keys we have to do is we're going to act as if until we, we realize we need to do it, you know, um, like the attitude of gratitude meeting. Figure out something to be grateful about. There's got to be one thing in your life you got to be grateful about. Pray even when you don't want to pray. Get down on your knees and pray even when you don't want to. Just tell God, thank you for I woke up this morning, if, the, if you can't think of anything more. Thank you, I, I went to bed last night. I had, I had a normal amount of food in my pen. And just give people time to let it grow. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, just plant that mustard seed of hope 
and it it will grow. It may take time. You know, sometimes it grows really fast. Other times it grows slowly. But we need to just allow it to, the time to grow. Thank you, Caroline. Appreciate that. Are there any other questions today for Kathy? Hi, this is Nancy. I have a question. Oh, hi. Good morning, Nancy. Yep, you're up. Good morning, Melanie. I uh, enjoyed. Thank you, Kathy, for your service this morning and for sharing your story. And I'm always um, interested in the different um, spiritual experiences that different people have as they journey through the process of working the 12 steps. Because um, I was taught that the purpose of working the 12 steps is to bring us to a spiritual experience, which is what the the healing is about. And um, for me, I had one or two, actually, that was quite profound, and then I've had many that were of the education variety that's talked about in the appendix in the um, big book. So I heard um, some of the um, slower coming along as you're through your journey of spiritual experiences, but I just was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your spiritual experiences, and did you have any that were of the profound nature like Bill W., or were yours more along the lines of the educational variety? Um. Hmm. Well, it, it's funny because it, it, it's kind of gone in um, ebbs and flows. When, you know, it's not been like this, you know, it, I, I will say the first thing that was very, very, very um, profound was my first meeting. I truly, truly felt God was sitting behind me, and I, I just, and, 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 and just, was ready to smack me over the head if I got up out of my seat because I really wanted to run out the door. And my and and that and it wasn't it wasn't all of a sudden at that point that, you know, I suddenly got uh, you know, this God experience, you know, like Bill did, but it it's come and going in, in ebbs and flows. Um, you know, the latest thing that happened was, you know, this prayer group that I led into um the um the priest that runs it um, you know, he's one of us. He's an addict. I mean, what what are the chances of an 80-year-old priest that's leading a prayer group at um, a boy's high school for moms um, being a 12-stepper? And it's funny because he got sober about the same age I was. And he has, in turn, recommended some amazing literature. You know, they're not directly AA or OA approved, but outside things that kind of build upon what we do in this program that have been invaluable to me. And he said things, you know, different 12-step things in our meeting. I would have never happened without without this. It's just amazing. Um, you know, the, the other... Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was just in a major crisis. It was like the perfect storm of everything going wrong with our family. And I was so upset, and, and I was just, just, you know, beyond, beside myself. And I just remember saying, God, please, just show me the way. And it was like over the next couple of days, everything untangled, and it all started making sense. So... I think what is really truly different about me personally now is that I'm willing I want to live my life in God's will. I that's my goal every day and it's a different way to approach life versus praying for the red tricycle. 
praying that God will let me have my way. It's God, show me your way and what you will for me. Because when we think of God, God loves us, and he wants us to experience life. It's not life is going to be perfect, but he's going to make every situation we face, he's going to make it as easy as possible for us. And that's what he's going to do for us. Whether we have tragedy, whether we have hope, whether we have joy, he's going to help us enjoy that and and, and appreciate those moments as they are given to us. And that's really what his will is for us, is to love us. So he he gives us that. And But, you know, it ebbs and flows over time, and it comes and goes. And, you know, sometimes I feel like God is silent. He doesn't hear me. But his not answering me is often an answer unto itself. So with that, I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Nancy. Yes, thank you, Kathy. How about any other questions this morning for Kathy? Melanie, it's Rita. Oh, hi. Good morning, Rita. Good morning. If I could uh, thank uh, Kathy for her her wonderful service and ask a question. Kathy, I do not have Internet service. You mentioned a candlelight meeting. Would that be accessible by phone? Um, honestly, I don't know how to do that by phone. If you go okay. to your local library, um, right. the website is OA. L A I G. I know the website. Dot yeah. org. Yeah, and um, there's there's they run a um help desk out there because it's a pretty big intergroup, and I would just okay. call them and find out. I do know they sell some things on on CDs. Mhm. And, okay. and that might be a good idea. So. Okay. Thank you so much, Kathy, and thank you again for your service. Oh, you too, Rita. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you, Rita. Anyone else with questions today? What is that web address again? Oh, sure. oh who's that? Who Melinda. Is that? Melinda. Oh, hi, Melinda. Good morning. Web address for the LA Inner Group. Um, Kathy, please. Oh, sure. It's O-A-L-A-I-G dot O-R-G. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And, and the beauty of that website is the first person you listen to, you don't like them, skip, go to the next guy. There's, there's, there. It's a great group of recordings, you know, obviously with the um, show business community being out there and so strong, you get a lot of different personalities, different perspectives. And, you know, some people are entertaining, some are a little dry, some speak to your heart, others don't. And But it's beautiful that they've put this asset out there for us to use. Hi, Kathy. This is Mary Lou from California. Hi, Mary Lou. You're up next. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, Kathy, I wanted to thank you for your service and for your story and for the humor that you injected in there. And um, I um, uh, was particularly touched by uh, when you talked about your food plan because it's been, I've, I've lost about 80 pounds and I have another 80 to go. And my food plan has been a source of pain and um, 
just finding the right one and really trusting my body and and uh and knowing and trusting my body and and enjoying my food. I love that part in the big book where it says we're not cocky nor nor are we afraid mm-hmm. um not a, that you don't sound afraid of your the food um nor are you cocky about it um just like when we're around the alcohol I mean, I'm not cocky around it or afraid of it well uh and what you said about uh I'm not punishing myself for past sins with the food. You enjoy your food, the positive view towards food, not cocky or afraid. I was wondering, as your food plan has evolved, um, I have noticed that as mine has been tweaked and evolving, and I'm afraid, you know, I get kind of afraid, well, I don't know if I should have, you know, four ounces of brown rice or rice, whatever. Um, uh, I notice that I don't binge or want to eat if I'm not starving by the end of the day, and make it through the day abstinently. Um, can you tell me a little bit of more more about what you meant by your food plan? Did you notice that when you're bodily hungry, that you had to kind of adjust your food plan with your nutritionist? And do you commit your food daily? Are you aware, measure type of person? Um, how does that work for you? And also, just quickly, if you can just quickly address six, seven, and eight. Step six, seven, and eight. How does that look like technically? How did that look like for you? Step six, seven, eight, and nine. How did they? How long did those take? And how did they actually look? Did you get home and do step six and seven, and like that? I just am wondering about what your journey has been uh, with the yeah. food and with step six, seven, and eight, and okay. nine. Okay. Um okay, um I guess a couple different things here. Um with regard to my food plan cuz um you know what you're saying made me think for a second is when I first got my plan of eating from my nutritionist, I ate just about the same thing every day for almost 90 days because I was terrified that if I picked a different food, I would go off the deep end. And I, I was freaking out, you know, and I mean, this is this is pure white knuckling, and this is why white knuckling is not really a good thing to do. And I'll never forget to her going into her and talking to her, and she goes, you know, you can pick different foods to eat. And I'm like, oh, no, that that would be really scary to do. She goes, you know, give yourself some time. You might just want to have some variety in your food plan. And she and, – and, and it did take time. It did take time before I felt like, oh, wow, you know, I can mix things up a little bit. Um, I can try um, different um, – make, you know, not have the exact same thing for breakfast. I can switch out between one morning, you know, having, um, you know, a typical breakfast food to another morning have a different breakfast food. But, you know, my meal plan is definitely I have breakfast for breakfast, I have lunch for lunch, and I have dinner for dinner. I don't have um, frozen pizza for breakfast which or leftover, you know, garbage for breakfast. I eat breakfast food for breakfast. That is very important, to, you know, that as part of my, like, living like a normal person. Um, um you know, um, what else did um, what else did you? There was something else you had said, and I forgot. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. But um, the um, the next the next thing is is that um, let me see. With regards to six, seven, and eight, um, um, I turned over my fourth step to my 
sponsor in step five. Step six and seven, for I forgot what happened, but for whatever reason, um, oh, I know what happened. My um, my um, um, sponsor at the time left the program of um, recovery. She left um, doing this program, and um, I ended up. Um, out there with a bunch of temp sponsors for about 90 days till I ha- I got my sponsor I have currently. And um at that point my um sponsor at that point um started having me work 6, 7 and 8. Um I was really excited about working step 6 and 7 because the um 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 it was like remove my character defects Honestly, at that point when I started doing them, I was like, God, just take them all. Because to be quite fine, all that I knew that I was going to get from all my character defects that I thought were going to help me and protect me, all they did was get me into my addictive behavior. And I was really, really ready for a fresh start. You know, I was ready to start over. I wanted the do-over button hit at that time. And um, she had given me a series um, of questions to work on to, um, you know, kind of really thought-provoking to kind of work in through 6, 7, and 8. You also asked, you know, as far as your food, do I turn it over to a sponsor? Um, Do I weigh and measure my food? Um, I do weigh and measure my food. Um, I do, um, 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 I do, um, um, turn it over to my sponsor every day. Um, to be quite frank, it's to me personally, at first when I had to do this, I thought this was the nosiest thing that I ever thought in my entire life. And I could not believe I was going to have to turn over my food to somebody for the rest of my life. To be quite frank, now it's just autopilot. What it makes me do is think through, what am I going to eat today? Okay, well, here's my breakfast pack my lunch for work, and, okay, this is what our family is going to have for dinner. I don't make two separate meals. Whatever I'm eating is what my family is eating. Um, And, you know, it's funny because my husband always remarks that we're eating so much healthier now that I am doing this program, which is is the God's honest truth. Um, One of the reasons I feel very, very comfortable weighing and measuring my food is I have no idea um, I have amnesia when it comes to portion control, and this makes me um, realize exactly how big, um, you know, for example, three ounces of meat is, and or, you know, what does a what does a cup really look like of something, or what is two ounces? I will say at this point, um, I weigh um, just about everything. Um, which really helps that I, you know, put every, you know, put my plate on a scale and start loading it up with my food, and it's pretty simple that way. And you know, it's just, you know, now it's more of a habit than anything else. And it always blows me away, you know, normies that know exactly how much to eat and they can stop when they're full. I wish I, ha- I had that um, skill set, but you know, it's just not part of my skill set. So. Hopefully that that um, I I didn't miss anything with your question and th- thank you. There's a lot of good questions there. Thank you, Mary Lou. Thank you, thank you, Mary Lou. Appreciate that too. Um, how about it? We have time for maybe one, maybe two more questions. Anyone else up there?
Well, we might be coming to the end of our questions for today, Kathy. Oh, well, thank you, Melanie, for everything. And thank you for all the questions, everybody. You guys had some great questions this, this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And Kathy, you shared so much with us today, and we appreciate it so much. What I'd like to do now is close with the reading from the big book. Can you repeat Kathy's phone number, please? I can, yes. Kathy's phone number is 301-335-3799, Eastern Time. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you would do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And again, thank you so much, Kathy. Oh, thank you, Melanie.